and it's important that we give ourselves permission to exist without an audience. And this is coming from someone who is so intentionally visible. Um, be invisible sometimes, it will save you. You're listening to Creatives Making Money, the podcast for creatives who are on a mission to do the work they feel most called to do and make some money while they do it. This is a show for the makers, the dreamers, the doers, the creators, the artists, the crazy ones, and the ones who are determined to consciously build the life and career of their dreams. Here, we don't just believe in getting your dream job, we believe in creating it. So what does creative success even look like? How do we live a fully expressed, abundant AF life? That's precisely what we're here to find out. My mission with Creatives Making Money is to conduct 100 interviews with successful creatives and those who love and support them about money, career, and the process of making and doing what they most love, including all of the ups, downs, and in-betweens. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, writer, storyteller, filmmaker, serial entrepreneur, and shameless creator. No matter where you are in your creative and financial journey, I'm here to help you create like you mean it. Welcome to Creatives Making Money. I am so pumped today because today I am interviewing my amazing friend, Jess, or as she, as many of her friends affectionately call her, Jess, hide your kids, hide your wife, Manuzak. Jess is the international copywriter for companies you've heard of, from Levi's to Nike to Dove Chocolates. You know, not like the tiny companies that you have never heard of before. Um, think of her as the electric little lightning bug, hell-bent on helping you sell more of the stuff you care about. It's like magic, but also the neuropsychology of selling. She broke into the copywriting scene with a crowbar over seven years ago after scoring the college degrees and industry experience she needed to actually make a difference in your bottom line. Conversion copywriter by day, have her of feelings by night, and also probably morning and afternoon. <laughs> Razor of roofs, that's for damn sure. Razor of roofs, eyebrows, and expectations. So like, now we dance? Yes! Welcome. Hi. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. Holy mackerel. <laughs> Jess is like one of my, like probably one of the most creative making money people I know. Um, and, and when I say that, what I mean is I really do feel that your work is such a, it's such a true representation of how creative you can allow yourself to be and still be mindful of what works for sales and conversions and making money and all of that stuff. And there, there are a few copywriters that I would say that about, um, but for you, that's true. So yeah, there's that. <laughs> Uh, I mean, everyone else, you can see my face. Everyone else can't see my face. My face is it all. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank receive you. it. It's so true. Receive it. Receive it. So one of the questions that I love to ask, and I have been asking this at the end of my episode, but now I like to just start the conversation with this is, um, I want you to imagine that you have $5 million that's just been like, here you go, angel, benefactor, magic person has just handed this to you. There are no strings attached. There's nothing you need to do for it. It's just yours and you can do anything you want with this money. What would you use that money for? What would you do with it? Mm. Uh, I would, without a doubt, be a completely self-indulgent, like crazy recluse novelist. 
I would uh, have beach houses on either coast and one smack dab in the middle in the mountains. Um, I like fall at the beach and winter in the woods. So I would do that. And I would likely have like very long, high maintenance, oddly colored hair. Cause I feel like that's an indulgence that I just can't like fucking get on board with right now. Um, and then personally, I would love to grow my complimentary compliments nonprofit. Um, and I would love to do something with victims of sexual assault. Those are kind of my two big cornerstone passions. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about complimentary compliments. Yeah. So complimentary compliments is a pop-up booth that usually shows up at like makers markets around Denver specifically where people come and I ask them nosy questions for a couple minutes. And then I write them a custom compliment that they can keep in their desk or their glove box or their purse. Um, so that when you're having one of those days, you can crack it open and remember that you're not alone, that you are the sort of person who talks to a stranger and that stranger falls in love with you. Um, and it reminds people that they're seen because I'm convinced that's all any of us ever want is to feel seen and valid and hear. That's awesome. How did it go the last time you ran it? You did a live one because I know you did one in Denver recently. Yeah. What, did, what was it like? It is my favorite thing I do, hands down. Um, one of my degrees is in creative writing and poetry. So those really short form, impactful blurbs are what I get off on. And it's why I'm so good at headlines. Um, it's because I know how words taste and mesh and feel and fight and fuck. You guys can't see, but she's basically doing like sex signs with her hands. (laughs) So we're talking about words fucking. No big deal. It's like actual word porn. Yeah. I mean, it's just a day in the business for us, Jamie. Yeah. We're just doing sex (laughs) gestures here, which you can't see. Maybe I'll, I'll, the next time I'll release a surprise bonus video, but that won't be for this episode. (laughs) Please continue. Uh yeah, your I mean, little, was, so you're talking about your beautiful like headlines and like nuggets. The little nuggets. And I think the thing that astonishes me the most is how willing people are to crack themselves wide open while sitting in a plastic foldy chair across from like a shouty little weirdo who just drank two warm PBRs at this maker market. Um, the vulnerability people are willing to give you. And I'm floored about that with my clients as well the ways that people are willing to just crack open and share. Um, I think it's my favorite thing about being alive, those stories that exist within all of our bones always. Mm -hmm. Why does it surprise you so much? Because we are a culture that is built on palatability and our grit and our weird stories that we think no one else could ever relate to. We consider those to not be palatable when, I mean, I don't know, cauliflower is palatable, but when's the last time you wanted to live off of cauliflower, you know? <laughs> is it palatable though? <laughs> I love me a cauliflower mash, girl. I know, I know. Cauliflower mash is pretty delightful. It's made more palatable with cheese, for those who are wondering. That's everything in life. Cheese yes. makes everything more palatable, except my colon. So <laughs> there's that. TMI, I know. <laughs> So was there like one compliment in particular that you wrote that day that felt really, that stood out to you or that you remembered or a particular story you heard? Yeah. That can can remain anonymous, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The one that resonated most with me 
and kind of most with other people, and it's one that I shared on social, was this idea of coming home to yourself and that we are all our own homes. Um, the homes, you know, they say home is where the heart is, but it's not, I mean, we forget that our hearts are never external. Even when we give, we give, quote unquote, our hearts to our partners or our friends or whatever, I mean, we still have that within us. We're just choosing to allocate that energy. Um, yeah, so that was really powerful, being able to talk to this stranger who said that she felt like she never belonged. Um, you know, and she'd gone out to her car and read it and come back and she was crying and she was like, oh my gosh, thank you. Like, this is the most comforted I felt in months. Um, and I posted it on social and everyone said the same thing, like, holy shit, thank you. I'd have, like, I can stop searching for where I belong because I just belong with myself. Um, mm -hmm. So, and of course, you know that like I had divorced my mother a few years ago. And so that idea of being my own home and my own family and having the power to create my own traditions, like that is tantamount to everything I do in life and business. Mm -hmm. It's not, that's like one of the hardest things I think anyone could ever do uh, is what you, what you did. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I was real tuckered out afterwards. I did not talk to a human being for like 72 hours after that weekend. Yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. Do you want to share more about it or not so much? I think that's all I have to say. It is just such an outpouring of kindness and love. Um, my grandmother, after she retired, used to deliver flowers because she said that no one was ever unhappy to get flowers and that it was like the perfect job. And that's kind of how I feel about the compliments. Like mm -hmm. no one's ever going to come back and be like, well, this is a bullshit compliment. Like everyone is just so grateful for that outpouring of unexpected kindness. So Yeah. It's funny, the thing that you, the coming home to yourself thing is a theme that I've been thinking about a lot lately, especially as I, <clears throat> so fun fact for listeners, I found out that I have to move into a new apartment because the condo owners where I'm currently renting want to sell. So I was given notice over the holidays that I have to now find a new place to live. And it's given me a lot of the, the in-between limbo feeling of not knowing where my next home is and knowing that I'm in a home, but it's not, but I'm not staying here. So like the nesting isn't the nesting anymore. Um, and, and that's what I'm working on is I feel like anchoring into this idea that, that I am my own home. And so if I can create that feeling just in my body and in myself, then like it doesn't matter where I live or what space I inhabit or if I'm in between or in transition or in limbo. And I think that it's, you know, I know so many people, particularly in our industry, who decide to like, leave their possessions and go travel the world who kind of have to come to that conclusion as well, because they're jumping around so much and they don't have a place where they're like anchored in and grounded and knowing where they're coming home to. So it really is such a beautiful, it's such a beautiful and necessary thing for all of us to feel like that. We can be our own best friends, our own parents, our own house, our own, like our own container for everything. Um, and so how do you even create that? You know, what would you say has been helpful for you in, in creating that for yourself? I think the acknowledgement that I am whole by nature of existing versus having these like gaping holes that I was desperately reaching for things and just like jamming them in and trying to plug them. Um, and I was just hemorrhaging energy from my well all the time. Um, I did some like very silly practical things that made me feel like my entire world 
could come with me. Like probably the biggest thing I did was I switched to a capsule wardrobe. So I only have 25 pieces of very intentional clothing in my closet at a time, um, which means that when I travel, I can take my entire wardrobe with me and it all layers and mixes and matches. And so I'm never leaving part of my routine or my core life behind, whether I move apartments or I don't know, fucking Airbnbs, or sometimes I spend a few months in the summer in the woods of North Carolina in my dad's RV by myself. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and those like little, um, those little illusions of control that we can give ourselves kind of help bolster our confidence to be who we are and carry our homes with us as we kind of walk through the world. Because it's a scary thing to have your home on your back. You know, that's vulnerable. Um, everyone you meet gets to see your home. Mm -hmm. But how cool is it that everyone you meet gets to see your home? Yeah, it's funny how, you know, <laughs> this is funny because I remember, I think it was in The Gift of Imperfection um, where Brene Brown talks about the shame of like not having people over because your house is a mess. <laughs> you know, and, and I think about that now in the context of this conversation, right? Like, how interesting is it that, that we let that be such a representation of who we are or what that says or our character when the reality is that like, if we're being honest, we're always carrying that mess with us wherever we go, you know, like we're messy. And so however you're showing up, like emotionally, energetically, like, like all of the pieces of you and how you show up, it all kind of shows no matter what you do, right? Like Absolutely. your house could be perfectly neat or a hot mess or, you know, and when I say house, I mean like whatever that's carrying over into, I think that we're always, that's always, right? Like we can yep. carry that, that mess shame in all the contexts, you know what I mean? Well, and I also feel like, yeah, I mean, if you think about like business, I feel if someone were to give me, I don't know, intimate looks anonymously at how businesses are ran and then like personality profiles, I think I would be able to mix and match because you can tell, I mean, it seeps over into everything, everything. There is not someone who is a quote unquote hot mess or has a messy house and like a completely seamless, perfect Pinterest worthy business. Um, and that's good. That's the way it should be uh, within reason, obviously don't take over your clients, but. <laughs> that's a disclaimer sometimes don't people take it too far yeah don't or, do an ice hotel in alaska and leave them in a lurch thanks yeah like or be a dick but then don't expect to stay in business yeah right you're free to do whatever you want just uh you know be prepared for the fallout mm -hmm. so you so your five million dollar answer just to circle back to that for a second was like being a novelist so like, can we talk about your creative writing a little bit? Is that a thing we're working on right now, not working on right now? You know, I know you've written books in the past. Tell us more. So it's funny you ask. I posted an Instagram story the other day because I've decided that writing a memoir is so masturbatory and every writer will say, will say those exact words. Oh my God, what a masturbatory act. I think everybody's heard that. So I've decided that my new memoir manuscript is now called my master book because it's so mm -hmm. masturbatory. Um, in regards to my creative writing, I would say that it is something that I am simultaneously always working on and never working on. Um, Poetry has always been my first true love. It would help put me through college with scholarships. 
you know, the other half of my college was paid for with a scholarship I won in the fourth grade for a creative writing essay called, bear with me, Daddy, Please Don't Leave Me, which gives you, I think, an insight into the sort of human I have always been and the sort of honesty I've always rolled into uh, when it comes to my writing. So I don't know. I mean, I'm a journaler. I journal every day. And it's been so important for me to be able to write creatively for no one else. I, there is a difference between performing on a stage and, you know, rehearsing lines alone in your shower. Um, and I like both. So for now, my creative writing is sort of a private indulgence, actually, and I really like it that way. <laughs> mm -hmm. Why do you think, what, what do you think makes that different and special and important and significant? Like, why is it important to do that for you? And, and like, of course, for everyone, but I'm curious to hear what you think. I am someone who gets told relatively regularly that I'm the same online as I am in person, which is great. It's what I would say probably actually it's my favorite thing about myself that I'm just sort of the same all the time. Um, but I will say that I am not the same when people are looking and when they're not. And that's true of everyone. It doesn't matter if I show my messy house photos or my flabby tummy online or talk about my sex life. Like when no one is looking and I am at home cross-legged on this coral couch right here with my little doggo, um, I am quiet and I am not sparkly in the best ways. And it's important that we give ourselves permission to exist without an audience. And this is coming from someone who is so intentionally visible. Um, be invisible sometimes, it will save you. I'm gonna cry about it, it's fine. <laughs> okay, What's, what, tell me why you're crying. I think we all have something to prove and we think that that proof comes from outside validation and accomplishments. And I did all of that. And I was still like, oh, fuck, I'm empty. What now? Um, and that was this last year. You know, I told you that I'm turning 30 in a few weeks. And this year has been really transitionary. And it's been all about basically not only healing those holes in my well where things were leaking, but then figuring out what actually filled them up and not what looked good to fill them up with. Um, that carried over to my business, too. I call it entrepreneur ego theater and I fell victim to it. I hired a big team because I wanted to look like the boss bitch that was posting job postings. Um, turns out I hate having a team. I'm not a good leader and it took me away from what I loved. So, you know, I had the hard conversations and let go of my team at the end of this year and, uh, I don't know. I'm really thankful for the insights that my invisibility has granted me because it helps me show up better when I choose to be seen. Does that make sense? It does. It's healing. Yeah. Yeah. It lets you show up for yourself. 
I remind you who you are. Like it, there's that gut check of like, oh, that thing I did today was kind of douchey when I was like writing that social high. Like it's important to be real with yourself and be like, hey, you know that personality that we all put on? Is that one you like? Because we all do it. We all code switch a little bit and like have our on selves and our off selves. Yeah, and, and we all have multiple roles that we play in different environments with different people for different, you know, uh, that's human. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's about giving yourself permission to just be like gross and often muddy and sweaty. Mm -hmm. And messy. Messy. Messy AF. What I'm curious in that discovery process for you of figuring out like what you thought would fill the holes versus what actually did, you know, what was, what surprised you? What was different than what you expected to discover? I have lived my life in extremes and I always joke that I don't do much by halves. Um, and I've had to step away from that because it turns out that it's actually about moderation and learning that more, more of the same good thing does not fill my well more. Um, it's almost like I can only pull so much restoration per category. So like for me personally, I have to get that energy from moving my body um, I have to get that energy from like physically touching the person I love. Um, but I can't sustain just on physical energy. You know, after a certain point, it starts draining your well. And it's kind of poking at those borders and seeing, you know, what adds and what subtracts. I'm a big fan of adding new stuff in versus like ending old behaviors. I like adding in new fun stuff. Um, Deprivation doesn't work for me. <laughs> what have you added in recently that's made a big difference? My sleep is really goofy. This is probably TMI, but I'm having all this testing done for um, like hormone stuff and adrenal things because they think I might have polycystic ovarian stuff. And so I am sleeping in shifts right now. So I sleep from like 9 p.m. to midnight. And then I sleep from like 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. And this is just what I'm doing. And a year ago, it would have wrecked me. I would have felt like I was fucking up, that my business was going to suffer, that I looked bad, that I looked crazy, maybe. Um, insomnia, you know, is kind of a weird thing. Until I started adding in these, like, really joyous rituals during those four-hour chunks in the middle of the night. So, like, I turn on my Netflix show and I light my favorite candle and I color in my Harry Potter book and like my dog's there and I have my blanket. Um, and it feels like, it feels like a gift to, to meet myself where I am and not shove myself into the expectations of where I think I'm supposed to end up. Yeah. Like, well, you're supposed to be sleeping from this hour to this hour. And so what are you doing in the middle of the night? Yeah, and then you're like pacing around, and you're all pissed about it, and you keep looking, yeah. and you're doing that thing where like, if I fall asleep now, I could get X number of hours of sleep. Um, and of course, I mean, I'm fortunate enough that I can tweak my schedule to accommodate things like that. Mm -hmm. But that's the main reason that I went into business for myself is that I'm a big fan of working with the things that work for me versus working against myself to work with everyone else. Mm -hmm. What big changes have you made in your business? this year? I know you said it was a big transformational year and there was a lot of transitions. Can you, can you share, walk us through what changed for you that, you know, has kind of helped you 
really create a life as a creative person where you're making the money that feels good to you and you're able to really build supportive structures for yourself. Um, you know, another thing that we haven't like outright mentioned is like the mental health stuff. And I think that that's an important conversation to have, um, particularly for those of us who are operating as, as our own business or as freelancers or as, you know, genius for hire. I think that that comes with its own set of unique challenges um, that can actually amplify mental health stuff, like make it worse. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. I think it does on, on many levels. Um, so I'm curious to hear more from you about that and, you know, how that's impacted your business and, and the changes that you've made to really support yourself. Uh, it has been a process. It has been a process for sure. Um, you know, there's a time when it was a few years ago and I was in my second year of business and I almost lost everything because I was so sick. I was so sick mentally. And I was going to this like really intensive outpatient, like group therapy program. And it was, I mean, I remember it was an hour drive each way. It was five hours a day, four days a week of group therapy and exercises because I had kind of had a mental breakdown and had just reached the point where I said, no matter what it takes, I am prioritizing this shit and I'm going to figure it out. Um, it sounds goofy, but part of the driving force in the back of my mind was like, well, fuck, if I ever want to have a kid, I don't want them to think that this is how people show up. Um, so I would say that whatever your drive is for helping yourself, embrace that drive and it's okay. Um, so that was tantamount. And then also... And people will tell you this till they're blue in their face and you're going to think it's a joke. But fucking routines, man. Routines are the number one thing that helped me. Commuter traffic. Like, I've started working out of the same coffee shop five days a week. Um, even if I get my ass in that chair for two hours a day is what I tell myself. Then that is a win. And sitting in the commuter traffic for... 15 minutes and looking at all of the other assholes in traffic going to their jobs and showing up and doing their hardest. It reminds me that I'm, I'm not alone and I'm part of this ever present community that keeps me inspired. Cause as soon as you feel isolated, that's when you're scrolling through Instagram, comparing yourself to everybody. Um, be like, well, I'll never be good enough. And I could never do that. And look at this bitch. And it just gets out of hand and you end up crying in your bed, you know, and, you know, pretty soon it's three days later and you're too anxious to check your emails. Um, <laughs> I've been there. In terms of client management, be direct but do not overshare is my best advice. It is not their business why you need to move a deadline. You need to tell them you're moving it. Um, but you don't need to tell them why. Unless, of course, you're comfortable with it. I mean, it's your business. But Yeah. I, I, I agree that they don't need to know why. Um, why do you think, why was that your initial like advice to not tell them why? From working with so many contractors and clients over the years, I found I did find, and I mean, this is controversial and I, I see both sides of it, but I found that that level of intimacy with colleagues and clients changed the dynamic of the relationship. Um, 
and sometimes for the better. I mean, there are a few exceptions in there where I am so glad that, you know, we were able to connect in that way. But for the most part, um, my mental illness does not define me and it does not define my business. So it's none of their, that's none of their fucking business. <laughs> I still get the work done and I get it done well and I over deliver. So it's none of their business if I cry that day in my bed. Mm-hmm. Boom. Also stigma, blah, blah, stigma, you know? Yeah. I think it's stigmatized, but I also think that like it can subconsciously undermine trust which it doesn't need to when you're actually delivering and you're in communication and you're showing up and you're doing yeah. your best and you're like not fucking them over during like a high pressure time. Yeah. Um, I actually think it doesn't, it doesn't matter, but I, but sometimes being too transparent about that stuff can undermine trust yes. for the relationship that you have. Um, yes. So I think it is important to always communicate like what you can do when you can do it. If that changes be in communication about it, um, but it's, it really isn't anyone's business. Why or why not? And I think sometimes oversharing comes from a place of, I really want to be understood. And, and I really, I want the compassion because oh, you're not giving it to yourself. Yeah. So you almost want them to make it okay and be like, Oh my God, I totally understand. And that's I'm totally so fine. Like take the time you need as opposed to, um, as opposed to you just being like, I can take care of myself and I know what I need and I know that this is fine and I know that I can take this day to cry in my bed and still get shit done. So all I need to do is just let them know like, hey, something came up like, or something personal came up or whatever. Um, or like, hey, I miss, you know, mismanaged my, like not mismanaged, but didn't like accurately project how long this would take or um, I you know, say, whatever's changing. I what do you say? say? What's your script? Yeah. So, and I've actually worked this out with my therapist. Like I've sat there with my little memo thing open on my phone being like, okay, what is the most direct, but also indirect language yeah. I can use? Um, I say that I have made an ex a presidential level executive decision um, to slide their deadline, blah, 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 hours in advance. This, pro this won't impact our overall timeline, mm -hmm. but you deserve my absolute attention on this. And that's the thing is like, you always want to bring it back to you doing your best by them, which is absolutely true. Like we're not lying about it. That's why we need that space sometimes. So you can come back and over deliver and blow their damn minds. You know, um, I will say I've had clients who, I don't have a dedicated business Instagram, uh, kind of on purpose, uh, but I've had clients who have found my personal Instagram where I talk very openly about mental health and it has connected us in very good ways where they say, Oh my gosh, you know, we have depression and anxiety too. Here are these things that have worked for us. And then, you know, suddenly you have these clients for life because you just get each other. Um, yeah. But on the flip side, I work with a lot of like male software as a service companies and you can bet your ass. I am not going to tell them that I need a day to cry in my bed. No, I'm just not. Yep. It's funny. I feel like I know less P I, I, I could, I don't even know if I could list anyone on my hands that doesn't have depression or anxiety. <laughs> yep. And it, it might just be because like we surround ourselves with other empathic, sensitive people who acknowledge the trauma that they've been through in life and are working on it consciously 
that might be it. Or it might be that like, we've all just been fucking traumatized and I don't know anyone that hasn't been. <laughs> well, and I think like, it goes along with like the empath creative stuff and all of that. But I think that so many of the people that I know, and I would argue, you know, too, we all have that thing where we feel so hard, it hurts. And it's not even a bad feeling. Like sometimes I feel joy so hard. It's a physical pain in my guts. Um, I think that's where creativity, creativity comes from, honestly, is that well, that well that, um, mm-hmm. that exists. I also yeah. want to circle back to what you'd said about, about compassion and clients. I think too, it can be scary to set that boundary without waiting for them to tell you that it's okay, that they're not mad at you, that what you're doing is excusable. Um, so it's not just that compassion piece. It's that reassurance of like, I still like you. Yeah. The permission. When also it's not necessarily your job to have your clients like you on a personal level either, which Mm is, I don't know. Yeah. And like, does it really matter if someone likes you? I have no idea. Logically, I know, no. (laughs) Pathologically, I am desperate to be liked. And it is the thing I am working on most personally. You know what's so funny about being liked Everyone wants to be liked. Yeah. <laughs> Except for sociopaths, right? Because yeah. they give narcissistic sociopaths give actually zero fucks. But yeah. everyone else pretty much wants, like, everyone has that desire to be liked. And most people like each other. Yeah. And when someone doesn't like you, most of the time it's about them and not you. Most of the time. Because there's something that they see in you that they don't like because they don't like it in themselves. Yep. Like, I would say 98% of the people who don't like each other, it's about that. (laughs) You know, maybe I'm wrong, but when I, you know, it's hard for me to imagine a situation where that's not the case. And yet it's something we all struggle with. I just find it fascinating. Um, You know, that's all. (laughs) No, I mean, I completely agree with you. I completely agree. And I think about, you know, like I said, I'm at the same coffee shop all the time. And I was walking to the bathroom the other day and I was trying this like, navy lip stain that had this like weird turquoise glitter thing. I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, I was walking to the bathroom and there were these two women studying together and I heard one say to the other, look at that bitch. She thinks she's so cool. And I turned around and I was like, hi, I'm trying out this new lipstick today and I'm really self-conscious about it. And the girl's face, she looked at me and she was like, I am so sorry. I just don't have the guts to wear lipstick. There you have it. I mean, that's exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. She was projecting so directly and it could have hurt my feelings. But when I confronted it and was like, hi, that hurt my feelings. <laughs> she was like, oh, well, actually, mm-hmm. it's because you showing up as you kind of indirectly hurt my feelings. Yeah. It's funny how like it's all a fucking mirror. All of it, literally all of it. And like when you're not aware that it's a mirror, you can do so much destruction on the on the earth. You know, you can do so much fucking destruction if you're not owning that like everything is a mirror and it's all about you. And not in like a self-centered way. And like a, if you have feelings about something, that's your work. Yes, absolutely. Well, and it's not just destructive to other people, like the destruction you can do to yourself if you don't realize that everyone else is talking into their own mirror, like holy mackerel, mm-hmm. you can tumble real quick. I think that's so important. 
yeah, the mirrors. Mm-hmm. I want to circle back quickly um, to money stuff and like yeah. how you think this has impacted um, ways that you deliver services and receive money in your business. Like what's, what's changed as you've kind of transformed in the last couple of years? Yeah. So Ash Amberjay of the Middle Finger Project was my mentor for years. And she is someone who has taught me that you make the rules in your business. And if you don't like it, it's your fault. <laughs> and I was doing an interview with her a few weeks ago and I blurted that out and I was like, oh shit, I don't like my business and it is my fault. And so that's when I started the whole rebrand process and kind of redoing my services for the first time since I opened in years and years. Um, I looked at no one else's website as I was redoing my services on purpose. I wanted no idea what anyone else was doing and I wanted to build services that worked for me and how I work best because I knew that would equate to better deliverables for my clients, which is the only reason I do what I do. Um, for me, that means day rates. I found that when I have my discovery calls, like my big 90 minute kickoff calls on their launch day or on their kickoff day, I get so excited and I have so many ideas. And then I say, well, the draft isn't due for, you know, two weeks, I'll let it percolate and sit on it. And then I lose that excitement. I lose some of my ideas. I lose that momentum. And then sometimes I almost get this like very weird resentment towards the project. Like, how dare you betray me project? You were supposed to be easy. And like, I don't know, it's an odd thing that happens. So with the day rate, I'm planning on building on that momentum and taking that energy and pouring it back into their project right away. Um, so it's not technically a day rate. I'm doing it over a span of 48 hours because I want them to be able to sleep on it. That's a lot of big creative decisions to make without a sleep. Um, but it costs as much as my traditional packages. And I think it will not only boost my revenue, but it will also allow me to strip away so much bullshit that I have picked up from the industry over the years and just do what I fucking do best. <laughs> mm -hmm. There are no rules with how you show up in your business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's constantly evolving too. Yes. And that's okay. I think that that's another thing for, for listeners to, to glean from this is you can, can you're going to keep changing. So how you offer what you offer and how you show up and deliver your genius. It's only natural that that's going to keep transforming as well as you, you know, something might work for you two years ago that doesn't work for you anymore. So it's important to stay mindful and conscious in how you're building your services and all of that stuff. And I love that that's what you're doing. It's scary. It, I've, you know, I've had a lot of great feedback, but I've also had people say, you know, no, this makes me uncomfortable. I don't, I don't want a 48 hour intensive. Um, yeah, it's a really fascinating transition and I'm, I'm excited to see how it shakes out. I have my betas lined up for next week. So we'll see. We'll see. So exciting. Um, I wanted to ask what was the bullshit that you had to unlearn? Oh my gosh. So much. Everyone wants to tell you the rules of how to make money and how to run your business and how to start your mornings and how to end your nights and how to have sex and how not to have sex. And, um, if I fall into that, I could spend my entire life trying to shit myself. 
I could make a career out of doing everything I'm supposed to do. And I tried and I wasn't interested in it. I think the biggest thing I unlearned was that you can always make more money is the thing I have learned. Like money is not this unattainable, super crazy hard thing. There are always ways to make money. I have a poetry professor that I ran into the other day who has since left teaching and has now started a dream delivery service where he goes around to different cities on his bicycle and delivers prose dreams into people's mailbox every morning for a month. And he did it for me when he first got started a few years ago and I have them all. And it was one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had. And it's just this man on his bicycle biking around different cities and typing every night, just like these outrageous numbers of prosy poems um, and making a living at it. Like, come on guys. <laughs> if that's not proof that you can literally do whatever the fuck you want and get paid for it, I don't know what is. Like show up, show up with your weird thing and it'll shake out like. <laughs> I give strangers compliments. Like, what? <laughs> like, your thing is not too weird, I promise you. I actually, I wish, I mean, I guess they won't see, so it doesn't matter, but um, I found this girl who makes jewelry out of weird bugs, like scorpions, and she dips them into copper and stuff. There's a line out the door. Like, it's, your thing is not too weird. You can always make money on your thing. It's so cool. Would you do like a complimentary compliment session with, with someone? Maybe it wouldn't be complimentary. Maybe it would be paid. <laughs> can someone, can someone pay you to write a compliment for them? Oh yeah, totally. So I've actually been thinking about doing an online thing. Cause I, I have it set up as a nonprofit where, um, each city where it happens, they get to choose the local nonprofit that the money goes to. So I usually donate to, an organization locally called BC for you, which gives free and complimentary birth control to women under 25. Um, and they're kind of unstigmatizing sex. Their Instagram is like, ask your boyfriend why his dick looks weird. <laughs> <laughs> Versus like getting an STD because you're 15 and too afraid to ask. So um, yeah, absolutely. I would just do it like Venmo donation based. It would be really informal to begin with, but there's a lot of potential there. I feel that energy in that project. And I think this will be the year. This mm -hmm. is also the year that I get a book of my poetry published. Mark my words. <laughs> it is. I feel it too. It is. It I 100 is. agree. Every part of my body saying yes to that. What's your thing for this year? What's my thing? Yeah. Um, well, my thing for this year is continuing to lead the mastermind that I lead of of incredible female entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, revising how I support people with their story and story school, which is really exciting for me. And um, in addition to that, I'm also writing my own stuff. So I have a project that has a producer that we are in the packaging and financing process now. Yes. And I am writing another screenplay that I have very good feelings about. And I'm about halfway through it at the time of this interview. So... I'm so proud of you, girl. As soon as I find my next apartment, I'll be income. I'll start. The energy will return for the pro for the writing projects. Easy. Yeah. The next apartment Easy. will happen soon. You got Easy. it. Easy. Yeah. So that's what I'm working on. 
Um, but I like see all of that for you and I know that it's really happening. And I like, you know what I love about it is I love that there isn't this like, oh my God, I have this big vision for this. It's like, you, you know, I feel like it's going to be huge, but it's not about that right now. It's about like taking the steps forward and making the thing and then, and the path appears. And I think that that is so important for everything that we do to remember that like, it's so important to have the big vision, but it's also so important to really trust that like the smallest, the smallest achievable action is the most important thing you can do right now. Yes. And that those tiny actions and those tiny tweaks make a huge difference in the scheme of like the tiniest pivot can make the biggest change to your trajectory and allow new paths to appear. Like even just like if you move your head from one direction, like slightly to the next direction, (laughs) how much more becomes available to your sight line that you didn't see before. I think we tend to think that we have to make big changes or that that's how change is supposed to happen or how we're supposed to create. And the truth is like those tiny things matter more in many cases because they don't spaz out your energetic body and they allow you to create in a really sustainable co-creative way with the universe not to be super woo about it but it it's yeah it's beautiful so i'm just cheering you on over here and it's so much support of everything you're doing and i'm so grateful for your time and energy on this on this interview today i know that this this is going to be so valuable this is such an incredible episode and i can't wait to share it Um, So thank you so much, Jess. And please let us know where guests can, uh, where guests, where listeners can stop (laughs) you. I'm a human, guys. I say the wrong things all the fucking time. (laughs) If you're listening and think we're perfect people, we're not. We're just humans, humaning. In case there's any doubt, in case you were just yeah. So thinking we were stellar. 100. Stellar so where, where's your favorite place to be stalked? Do you want people to go to your Instagram? Like what's, what's popping? Tell me what's popping. I'm an Insta girl. Uh, there's too many of my in-laws on Facebook, and I get naked a lot on the internet. So I spend a lot of time on Instagram. Um, <laughs> facts are talk, facts, people. I talk a lot about liking your body. Um, yeah, Instagram. My handle is Jess Manuzak. There's a Z in there. If you just search Jess, M-A-N-U, I'll be literally the only one. Um, <laughs> go figure. So, yeah, I would love to have you. Um please just remember that you are not fucking up like you think you are, pal. You're doing great. And anyone who tells you otherwise can come answer to me. That's right. We got pitbulls in the corner waiting. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, you know it. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Jess. This was amazing. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Creatives Making Money. But don't go anywhere without subscribing. Also, I just wanted to mention that ratings and reviews are really a huge help. So if you've connected with this episode or a previous episode, or if something you heard here just resonated with you really deeply or gave you the feels or a huge aha, letting me know with a rating and review really, really makes my day. So I'd so appreciate it and you. Remember, if you're just getting started making money with your creative talents and you're just figuring it out, you're likely going to need a website that helps you sell your products and services. So to learn more about my approach to writing that sells, you can visit thejamiejensen.com slash free training. 
On this training, I'll walk you through each page of your website and explain what must be there in order to pre-sell clients and customers. This makes it way easier for you to make money. You'll also learn about my signature course, copy that, but of course there's no pressure. All sales of that course help cover the cost of this podcast, but the training is available to you whether you decide to purchase the course or not. If you're looking to connect with more listeners and like-minded creatives who who check out this podcast, you also can do that. We continue the conversation from these episodes in our private online Facebook lounge. You can head to creativesmakingmoney.com slash group to join the free group. And as always, you can find all important links and details in this episode's show notes, always available at creativesmakingmoney.com. Don't hesitate to head over there now. And as always, create like you mean it.